morning we have a really cool opportunity to hear from a couple of folks who have come face to face with stories like we just read with Stephen and, and, and who have experienced what it means to pick up their cross and carry it, to be crucified with Christ and to face persecution for their faith in Jesus. One many of us know already. Hisham Shahav is with us again. And uh, just give him a hand, please, this morning. Hisham is a pastor in Lombard. He is the pastor of a church called Salam that, that reaches out and ministers predominantly to Muslim and Middle Eastern immigrants here to the United States. Hisham grew up in Lebanon. He grew up Muslim. He grew up in the face of it and came face to face with the risen Christ, much like Saul did on the Damascus Road, and it changed everything for him. He's going to share his story and his ministry and his insights into this thing that we call martyrdom or persecution here today. And Hisham has brought a guest with him uh, as well this morning. Her name is Heidi. Can we just welcome her very quickly as well? I will let them share more of their own story and get out of the way. Hisham, thank you for coming. Thanks. Uh, Dave read from the New Testament. I'm going to read uh, just uh, very short verses from the Old Testament. Thank you for having me today. Good morning to you all. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jeremiah, theory. Jeremiah lived in uh, 655 BC, so around 650, you know, uh, before Christ. And uh, before the Babylonian captivity, before Babylon came and uh, destroyed really Jerusalem for the first time. So Jeremiah warned his people that you have to obey God. God is calling you to leave. This is the last warning, and they didn't listen. Look what happened. So I'm going to read from the message because it's easier. It flows. Shephatiah, son of Matan, Gedaliah, son of Pashur, Jehukal, son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, son of Malkijah. This, this is the entourage of the king. Heard what Jeremiah was telling the people, namely, this is God's message. Whoever stays in this town, Jerusalem, will die, will be killed or starve to death or get sick and die. But those who go over to, to the Babylonians will save their necks and live. And God's sure word, this city is destined to fall to the army of the king of Babylon. He's going to take it over. These officials told the king, please kill this man. Kill Jeremiah. He got, he's got to go. He's ruining the resolve of the soldiers who are still left in the city, as well as the people themselves. He's by spreading these words. This man isn't looking after the good of this people. He is trying to ruin us. So King Zedekiah caved in. If you say so, go ahead, handle it your way. You're too, you're too much for me. So they took Jeremiah and threw him into the cistern of Malkijah the king's son that was in the courtyard of the palace guard. They lowered him down with ropes. There wasn't any water in the cistern, only mud. 
Jeremiah sank into the mud. I came to America for the first time, you know, uh, as a visitor to the National Prayer Breakfast uh, in 1999. It was a big honor to be invited to the Presidential Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. Usually in Lebanon, it's very difficult to get a, tour, a visitor's visa, but uh, I was a peacemaker and activist in Lebanon, so they, I had a letter of invitation signed by five congressmen. Okay, that was God's favor. So I dropped my passport at the embassy and then took it the next day with a visa without, you know, any interviews, okay, any investigation even. So I stayed 10 days in D.C. and Arlington Heights, Virginia, really, and uh, went back to Lebanon. But the first impression I had then was the freedom you have in this great country. So... Let me tell you that the National Prayer Breakfast is usually held uh, early February, so you have to arrive end of January, okay? It's every first Thursday of February. So I arrived end of January 1999, and the friends who hosted me, the American friends who hosted me in Virginia, were behaving in a bizarre way. You know, it was the last weekend of January, and... I would talk to them, they won't listen. And I would, uh, you know, I, I, I could see that they are distracted, but I don't know why. And then I discovered it's the Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> so, it seems that culture really shapes our behavior in many ways. Later, I started to discover words like couch potato, you know. <laughs> But I fell in love with this country, and I, I was determined to find a way to come back and live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. God wanted it to happen this way. It was his will. But in the West, we have freedoms other Christians don't have. More Christians are martyred in the, in, in the 20th century, more, more than the whole, really, history. For example, in southern Sudan, Africa, Radical Muslims in the north killed two million Christians in 19 years. Christian martyrdom is flourishing today around the globe. Our brothers and sisters in the Lord are making big sacrifices to follow Christ. The Islamic world is a hostile place, especially for Christians. In Saudi Arabia, for example, Christianity is illegal. You can't build a church. You can't really hold a service. I know of people who ended up uh, in prison or deported. I mean, Christians who live there for work, you know. In Pakistan, death penalty is prescribed for anyone who blasphemes Islam. What's sharing Christ and confessing Christ but saying that he is the only way to salvation? By saying that, you blaspheme the name of Muhammad, the prophet of Islam. In the communist world, it's not better at all. China, the Chinese are clamping down on the underground church. The movement is growing, but they still clamp down on it and persecute them, kill them. In North Korea, you have two options, either to worship the leader, and if you're young, you make your, uh, you know, cut your hair like him, you know. You heard about that, right? Every young man should cut his hair like, uh, you know, 
their leader. You have two options, either to worship the leader of Korea, North Korea, or uh, go to, to prison or executed. Lebanon, where I came from, is mixed, both Christian and Muslim. The president of the country, you know, should be Catholic Maronite. By mandate and constitution, you cannot be a president of Lebanon if you're not Catholic uh, from that sect, really, Maronite, they call it. It was uh, a mandate and by the French colonial powers in 1923. So the government is almost neutral, you know, but the Muslim family may take care of the convert, really. In 2003, one year before I immigrated to America, I published part of my story of conversion in a newspaper. I was the editor, actually, you know. It was an Arabic newspaper, so it wasn't a big deal. But I received my first death threat from Hezbollah. Hezbollah is a terrorist organization supported by Iran, you know. However, I was told that my, my life was spared because of my father. I was his only son. My father was 83 then, and he was uh, notable in the Muslim community, and they said, we'll take care of you later in another day, you know. But, uh, you know, you know about Hezbollah, right? It's a Shiite terrorist, terrorist organization that really kind of uh, supported by Iran and they shoot at Israel and etc. So, as you may know, I made use of the freedom in America to evangelize Muslims and I publish stuff on Facebook. Please follow me on Facebook, Twitter, etc. You know, so my, my cousins discovered my activities. It was not a secret, but to be published is different from being a follower of Christ. To be an evangelist and a pastor is different from being, you know, a closet Christian, you see. So they discovered me and they was determined to take care of me, to wipe out their shame. Two things in Islam are a big shame. To convert to another religion, because it's a community faith, and to leave Islam is like treason, okay? To leave Islam is like, you know, you have committed treason against your family and the community. It's like being waken up one day and you find your, your brother a Russian agent, you know, a Soviet agent, you see? Now with Putin, you know, understand more what I mean, right? <laughs> then... Uh, then the other thing is to, if you, if, you con if you don't have your women folks under control, you know, if they, have, uh, they are dating or they have premarital sex, they, they would be killed. It's honor killing. She'll talk more maybe about it, uh, Heidi. So they were, my cousins were determined to wipe out their shame as soon as I show up in Beirut one day. So in 2010, Six years after I immigrated to America, my father was ailing. He was 87, 80, really 85 then. And I flew out to Beirut to see him. I had known the risk in doing that. And my daughter, who was, is still a Muslim, she lives in Beirut, she told me, two of your cousins are determined to kill you. So beware. As soon as I landed in the airport, Beirut airport, I took a rental and fled to the mountains. You know, it's, uh, you can rent a car without going out. So I took a rental, fled to the mountains, 
took a, uh, a room in a monastery and stayed 13 days there, the whole stay, you know, in Beirut, 13 days in the monastery. And uh, it's a long story, but I left Daban the way I arrived because they discovered that I was on Turkish Airways. I had to, to go eight hours before the check-in time just so that I'll skip, you know, the, the assassins, you know. So uh, I wait eight hours in the airport before the flight. It's a long story, but almost two years after that, my father died. I, didn't, I couldn't even go to his funeral. I couldn't go bury him. I couldn't even mourn. I was on my way to preach in Rockford when I received the phone call. You know, he's gone. He was gone. So we have here Heidi with us. She lost everything when she came to Christ. She was a human rights activist claiming, you know, the, the rights of women in Iran where women are considered second-class citizens. And she saw in Christ that he is given women their dignity. Go, women, I shall not judge you. Whoever have no sin, let him cast the first stone. She saw in Jesus, you know, the dignity that women in Islam need. I leave you with Heidi, then I'll finish my talk. Excuse me, would you please, uh, this, uh a file 30 March 2014, we have in the screen. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Mac Henry. Good morning, America. <laughs> you should be on CNN. <laughs> How many minutes? I have just five minutes. 10 minutes, 10. Okay. Just remind me, please. Um, Friends, my name is Heidi. I'm from Iran. First of all, uh, I appreciate a lot, first of God, the second from Pastor uh, David, invite me here and give a time to me and I can share a little bit from the, uh, the stories I was a witness over there from my friends and many people in Iran. And I, and I apologize, my English is not very good even, but God pushed me with a little bit ability, pushed me to bring a glory for him. Uh, I wanna tell a little bit about Iran, if you see in the slides. Um, Iran is in the Middle East, the leader of the Iran is Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. Sorry, but as a human rights activist, um, I couldn't, you know, say these things about politics in my testimony because my testimony, I come from, out from the politics and God healed me from politics and say that no more politics. You should be my soldier, not fighting for Iran. So 75 almost million population, the main religion is Islam and uh, we don't have in this slide. No? <laughs> anyway. And uh, um, 
World, uh, uh, World, Watch re, uh, list, uh, World Watch list rank is eight. And uh, the source of persecution, Islamic exterm, extremism, dictatorial paranoia. Persecution dynamics. Islam is, Islam is the official religion and all laws must be consistent with the official interpretation of Islamic law. Of all types of Christianity, believers from a Muslim background face most persecution, as well as Protestant evangelicals. There is relatively less pressure on the historical ethnic Armenian and Assyrian Christian minority, as long as they do not evangelize Muslims. In this point, please, uh, uh, I want you pray for the families and the peoples, uh, the friends, they are now in the jail because of their faith, because of their beliefs. And uh, even for the lawyers, they wanna even, the lawyers wanted to defend them. Even this, this time, the lawyers, you know, uh, uh, became in the hard situation because they put the jail, the lawyer too. And uh, many, uh, many of the Muslims in Iran, when they became the Christians, uh, and they find the, you know, uh, hope in the Jesus, they lost everything. They lost everything. There is many in, in Iran. So ethnic uh, Persians are by definition Muslims. According to the state evangelist, Bible training and publishing scriptures in Farsi are all illegal. You know, it means that not illegal have a very, very heavy, you know, punishment, putting the jail for the end of the life, hanging, you know, unforgettable, unfor totally unforgettable, you know, uh, pun uh, punishment, huh? So, uh, any Muslim who leaves Islam face to death penalty. The regime's focus in on those reaching out to converts and even well-established Christian uh, denominations are not safe from harassment. Church activities are close, closely monitored. Members identified and taken, and taken not, not off. In addition, Christians were physically harmed. A number while in jail, the Iranian um, at, uh, authorities fear of increasing number of Christians practically in house church in based on fact with many disillusioned Iranian Muslim become, uh, be becoming curious about Christianity. Okay, this is a, a small view about the uh, persecution over there. But let me, I share a little bit of my story. We, the people like as me and my friend, we were raised and Muslim, and we know Islamic rules very well. 
When we were in school, they taught us about the Quran, the schools, you know, and other Islamic rules. I, I always had many questions about violent verses in the Quran. There are many verses about war against other religions. There are verses that let men beat their wives if they don't obey. There are also many verses about temporary marriages. Imagine one hour marriage that allow men to sanction prostitution. Could you imagine, friends? We could see the, we could see the impact of these rules of Islam in our country from childhood. But when we were in Iran, we could see how those rules affected especially women's lives and caused them to go to, out of Iran or to prisons. Uh, fearful of the increasing number of Christians, particularly in house churches, the authorities closed them. Uh, oh, sorry, I, I made it false. Oh, okay. So, when I was in Iran, uh, I was against of the government. And uh, here, against of the government means, you know, Wall Street. No. Over there, against of the government, it means that you are, you are not agree with sanction. You are not agree with hanging. Today, Iran is, uh, to, to, uh, in Iran or in the Middle East, Iran is the first country in Middle East for hanging. 95% hanging in the Middle East is, you know, doing in Iran. And uh, this, is, this is public. This is public, not even because of Christianity, just because of their beliefs. Uh, and they do in publics. They, they went to the, uh, they go to the uh, stadiums, and in the stadium, they uh, they hanging, and the people bring the children. Could you imagine? No, you cannot. The people bring the children, and everybody watch that, and they, they they say something about Quran, and you know they happy. Anyway, in age 16, when I grow up, I understand that all of the, these problems not because of this government, because of Islam. Because this government is based on Islam. That's why I have done with Islam. No more. Finished. And I had my own God. And, but actually it takes a time. I, you know, not I find, Jesus find me. You know, at least let me to enter to his great family and, uh, you know, salvation. And in Iran, I received Bible by accidentally, and uh, even I didn't uh, saw that man never ever. Just that was a gift to my husband, and uh, because he was uh, my husband's friend, and uh, he gifted to to him to us, and he brought to home, and my husband gifted to me, and I never ever saw that man. And, uh, and I start to read the Bible. Um, but I put in my shelf, said that God, I don't have a time for you because I have enough problem. 16 times, 16 times arresting. 
And uh, just me and God knows that how I suffered in my interrog interrogations and how my interrogators, is it correct? treated me. Heidi, you're going to be free. Just promise us. Be a friend with us. Finish. Because I was an athlete at that time. I considered to myself I was a volleyball star, you know, in Iran. And uh, just I was, you know, afraid because of rape. I was afraid because I couldn't contact with my family. And even just I was crying at that time. I'm crying, but God saved me and uh, always protect me. And uh, finally, I found that one day in my last uh, arrest, arresting, they get my passport because I was working with the foreign peoples, you know, foreign um, companies. And I said that no more Iran, no, it's finished because I'm getting crazy. And I hid my faith in Iran. I hid my love for Jesus. I, I had the only things I had carried my cross in my neck. And I had my own book, the man gifted to me. By, and, and, I, and I thought that I am the only Muslim. I fall in love with Jesus. I didn't know that how I became Christian. I was full of love. <laughs> and I didn't know that. <laughs> and finally I said that God, I have nothing to lose, and I leave Iran because I'm suffering here, and I leave Iran. I hope I can find you somewhere, maybe somewhere. And I, I was an athlete, and I take my, you know, backpack, for mountain backpack, and I take it, and I saw the border, when I, when I passed the border, because Kind of illegally, I come out Turkish from Iran. Turkish border, Turkish border, right? Hmm? The Turkish border. Yeah, Turkish yeah. border. Okay. And uh, and I passed the border after that because it kind of illegally, not very officially, because you know I cannot explain. Maybe later. <laughs> 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 you Americans is amazing. <laughs> Believe me. When I saw the Americans, I get lots of energy, and they are full of energy, positive thinking, you know, I'm, that's why I said that here, everywhere, you know, screamed Jesus' name, because Jesus shine, shining in every face, and I see that, because I come from over there. And even I passed the border three times, I saw that, and I said that, no, I don't think I come back here again. And really it happened, and now I cannot come back to Iran. But God did a great job in my life. Great job. Like as the disciples in Urshalim. Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem, yeah. 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 Jerusalem. Mm. They, you know, they was over there, and they, make a disciples of, they made the disciples over there. But God gives them the problems to kick them out from the Jerusalem. And spread uh, the gospel out. Yeah. And, I, and I understand that I start to reading deeply Bible with the, my teachers, the missionaries from America, great teachers. And because of their encourage today, Heidi became a very strong witness of him. 
according to all my problems, even in America. But I am a strong witness of him. So I start deeply Bible and I became a evangelist over there. In Turkey. In Turkey. Yeah. My job over there was a tour guide because I couldn't do my job in Iran. But I became a tour guide, you know, I learned the tour guiding. She was an engineer in Iran, yeah. so she couldn't so, practice in Turkey. And I have a many ability in trading, in business. God used me. And you know that, guys, um, sometimes every day, two flights landed to Antalya. I wish you guys, if you have a time, if you're going to want to be a part of my dream, every year I'm going to travel to Turkey for one month to take a missionary over there for, you know, serving to the refugee all around the world, Syria. So when they landed to Turkey and I was with them, you know how I uh, give a good news to them? I was in Ephesus. Could you imagine? You know Ephesus? Ephesus, yeah. Ephesus. The, uh, mentioned, uh, and Ephesians God put Ephesus. me in Ephesus. Yeah. And when I was giving the information about the Ephesus city, I was talking about Jesus. Hey, guys, this is the, you know, Mary houses. John was here. And when they wanted to come back to Iran, I said that, okay, don't forget your chocolates, okay? And I, you know, and I write down my name in the Bibles, you know, Heidi, and I give them chocolates. And I said to them, if you are not comfortable, don't take it to the uh, Iran. Just leave it in your hotels. But most of them, they take it. So, yeah, most of them, they take it because Iran is in, now in Iran, really, they, they get separate from Islam. The government is just for, for them. Most of the young generation, even they don't have a God. They, they worship Satan. It's a kind of modernism, you know, nihilism. So that's why um, I, God did a great job through me and my pastor from Massachusetts. I know a job. And my pastor from Massachusetts, and I wish uh, one day me and uh, uh, he and uh, his wife, we come here. He has uh, many stories to share with you. Ten years refugee, uh, they, they had, uh, you know, serving to the refugee. And uh, our church was IPCA church in uh, Turkey, and is still over there. Many people comes over there, and there is lots of fish over there, and uh, uh, and uh, everybody when come over there, their hearts is completely ready for accepting the Jesus. And I have a dream. I hope you guys pray for my dream and uh, serving to the refugees. In and God, yeah, God can bring them to to the uh, you know to the kingdom to His kingdom. Thank you for uh, giving your time me, to me, and thank you to, to tolerating my English. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. I, I haven't been to Iran, but a missionary came from Iran, and he said Khomeini in 1979 did the gospel a big service when he took over. 
because in two weeks, because of the atrocities they saw from the Islamic regime, people became disillusioned with Islam, as she said. And there is a movement, underground movement, coming to Christ. People are called to faith in Christ. This is why the government, a few years ago, revived a, a, an old uh, uh, Islamic law. Anybody who converts to Christianity will be beheaded. It was a bill passed in the Iranian parliament. Okay? So are Christians persecuted in America? We are not burned alive inside churches like churches in Nigeria, right? Like Christians in Nigeria. We are not burned alive in churches. We are not beheaded with a sword like Christians in Syria. We are not crucified alive like some Christians in Pakistan. But we are persecuted in a different way. The persecution of Christians in America has escalated rapidly in the past five years. If you are a Christian and you say that Jesus is the only way on CNN or on Duck Dynasty, right? You see? You will incite the worst verbal attack. If Christians speak out against Islamism or liberalism or homosexuality, they'll be labeled as Islamophobes or homophobes. There is a growing culture against the church in America and the West. As I said in the beginning, the culture plays a big role in our lives, but it should not shape the church. It should be the, way the other way around. Maybe this would be a topic for a next sermon here, you know, I promise, if you invite me again, you know. But uh, we have no time today. The solution is not hate, but love. The solution is not us and them. It's sharing the gospel with the lost. This is the only way. St. Paul said that the gospel is the power of God. You go to the Greek, it says dunamis. We take, we derive a word from, from that dunamis, dynamite. The gospel of God is dynamite. It's not lukewarm Christianity. It's dynamite. It changes lives. It changes nations. As she said, God drove them out of Jerusalem to go out and spread the gospel. My wife, Mona, she was born a Muslim like me, and she came to America, still a Muslim, and she was convinced that one day she'll be able to win me back to Islam because she saw the, the difficulties I was going through, you know. When I finished seminar, they didn't, they didn't know what to do with me, you know, because I don't have a church that puts a money in the basket. I depend on God's people like you. So she, uh, one day I came back from seminary and she said, I compared between the followers of Muhammad and the disciples of Christ. The followers of Muhammad, you know, came out of Arabia, conquered the Middle East and the old world. They got to Spain, they got to France, to Vienna one day. They were generals, they amassed fortunes, they killed each other. They worked for the glory of this world. The disciples of Christ, after they were filled with the, with the power of the risen Christ, they came out of Jerusalem and preach the gospel all the way from Jerusalem to Rome, dying under persecution, dying under torture, beheaded. 
This is the good fruit. This is the good tree, Jesus Christ, not Muhammad. I want to follow Christ. That was the big lesson in my life. My wife, whom I'm, I was trying to evangelize, to evangelize me. We have to hold fast to the gospel. We have to hold fast to the truth. We have to be like Jeremiah. Even if they'll put you in a mud pit. Even if they'll mock you. Even if they would label you. Even if they ostracize you. You will lose your life, but you will gain it. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit fill you with boldness to share the gospel with the lost. Amen.